Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another wonderful edition of Jaybird Watching. Craig Boren here with you, as always. This week is my turn, Brendan, but here you are with me, as always. I'm here, buddy. I'm here. Just like every single week, we'll always join each other. It's uh, always a good time to be on with you. It's always a good time here right on Jaybird Watching, man. And even though the Blue Jays haven't had the biggest amount of news i still feel like we have plenty to talk about there's some promotions going on we have the you know september call-ups to look forward to here we got to start unfortunately with a little bit of bad news but it's just kind of sour news on the vladdy front i think because it sounds like this is very very temporary brendan yeah it's uh it's a little disappointing to see it i think the most disappointing thing is people instantly pointing to vladdy's weight and being the issue, I'm sure that has part of it, but it, it has a little bit to do with it. But like, come on, Blue Jays fans! I mean, I'm sure the kid is going to put in the work this offseason after his first full season in the big leagues. He'll come back next year probably in better shape. But it shouldn't even be a topic of conversation. His weight—if that's none of anybody's business—it's unfortunate. But hey, man, shit happens. So, uh, yeah, luckily, it does seem like it's temporary, not a long-term thing. I'm just going to say Prince Fielder and Cecil Fielder did it for years and were husky and just annihilated baseballs. And they right. were very, very good baseball players. I don't care how big Vladdy is. As long as he hits the ball, on average, folks, 108 miles an hour. <laughs> just slightly ridiculous, Brendan. And I don't get me wrong, I would love to see him in peak physical form. I don't ever see Vladdy falling into the Pablo Sandoval Kung Fu Panda ballpark, but he's a husky, not a husky kid, but he's just built, man. And a couple extra pounds off of that couldn't be the world's worst thing in the world. And I see why people are pointing it out, but this is a guy that has literally been just destroying the baseball. Remember, not even a few weeks ago, Brendan, we were talking about on this show that he was batting 240. Slight U-turn. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an impressive U-turn for him. I think the conversation that can be had in relation to this knee issue is is his long-term future at third base. And we saw guys like Miguel Cabrera start their career at third base and eventually move over to first base. I mean, third base is a very taxing position, especially for guys who are a little bit bigger. Miguel Cabrera wasn't as big when he first started. He got bigger when he was older, and he moved over to third base. I think for the longevity of Vlad's career and hopefully his health, he probably will end up over at first base. I don't think the reason will be weight-related, if his weight is still a topic of conversation. The reason why he'll be moved over there is for the logjam of middle infielders coming up, like Santiago Espinal, who's raking in Buffalo, like uh, Kevin Smith, who's been raking in New Hampshire, Jordan Groshans, who's uh, a third baseman, got so much infield depth that they're going to have to move somebody over to first base eventually, and it'll probably be Vladdy. And, yeah, that's probably coming in the near future or whatnot, and I think, honestly, you hit the nail on the head that I've been saying that Miguel Guerrero, just like yourself, has been the closest major league comparable to what you have we have seen from Vlad Jr. so far. And the fact that I know that he's going to turn into a bot, basically, even right now, even with the talent we've seen, eventually, Brendan, this is a guy that could be just like Miggy that could contest for a triple crown with, you know, betting in the high 300s and just destroying baseballs to the tune of ridiculous RBI numbers and home runs. (laughs) So his his value is always going to be offense first. If I can get yeah. some extra out of him in the field, that is immensely extra at that point. But he's not a full five-tool player. He is every offensive category off the charts, where literally currently right next to him on the diamond is probably the closest to a five-tool Blue, or a blue Jay that anybody's seen, probably even since, like, you know, the Robbie Alomar days of the Toronto Blue Jays, and that's Boba Shett. 
the kid is unreal, man. I mean, there's not enough good things to say about Bobuchet. I want to back things up a little bit to when we had the Radio Scouts guys on because it kind of ties into the whole Vlad defense thing that you're bringing up there. Yeah. Our, our guest that week, one of them, I forget which one, so I don't want to misquote them. Uh, I believe, uh, I'm not even going to uh, say, say I believe quote, it no was. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it Radio Scouts. <laughs> yeah, at Radio Scouts, a lot of guys said it would not surprise me if Bobichet outwars Vlad Jr. in some seasons, and I absolutely believe that's true because Vlad, or, uh, sorry, Bo will have the benefit of having, hopefully, some defensive value associated with him, plus a bat that, you know what? It's not crazy to think that Bo's bat could come close in some seasons to rivaling Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s. I think we've all agreed with every guest that we've had on, and you see on Blue Jays' Twitter, Vlad Jr. is always going to be the guy. He is known around baseball. Ross Atkins even said it's amazing to see everybody saying, oh, we know who Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is. He's a household name. Bo Bichette, he isn't. So the flair isn't necessarily there, but he's making the flair there because he's just so damn good, and that flow is so epic. And speaking of flow, I want to just put this into perspective for you. In a third of the at-bats compared to Boba, comparing Bo Bichette straight to Vlad Jr., uh, Baseball Savant has technically more miles per hour on average exit velocity than Vlad Jr. right now is currently a winner of Bo Bichette with 91.3, and Vladdy has 90.1. I know it's a third of the at-bats, but that's pretty impressive that we have two guys for the basic forever <laughs> in Toronto Blue Jays years <laughs> as far as how whole, how we typically hold on to guys. We have two guys, two cornerstones in the midst of our lineup like that. And then Kevin Biggio is a heck of an anchor between the two of those guys. And honestly, I love watching the t- three of those guys, one, two, three, through that lineup. And it's scary stuff, Brendan. It is scary stuff. And you know what? You have a third of your lineup set and guys who are probably going to bat in the middle uh, part of the order, I'd imagine that when once this team is pretty solidified in 2020, 2021, making playoff pushes, you're going to see Bo, Vlad, and Kevin all batting in the top five of the batting order. And then being able to say you have that, being able to fill in the rest of your pieces, whether it's a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. batting first or second in a batting order, or a Danny Jansen batting sixth or seventh. Uh, Randall Grichik will probably still be around batting in the lower part of the order team's going to be good, man. This team is going to be really good offensively as soon as next year. A full season, even half a season of Bo Bichette under his belt, going to be miles different going into spring training next year. It's not going to be. Everybody's hoping to see these guys. I can't wait. Let's put let's start circling dates on calendars for when Vlad will be here. Let's start circling dates when Bo will be here. No, we can legitimately dream on how good this team is going to be starting in spring training next year. It's going to be fun. I, I, I'm stoked. I'm too stoked, man. I'm already still trying to figure out what weekend I can get up there and come out and hang out. <laughs> I just can't take it anymore. Sitting and watching TV is not quite cutting it right now. And in all reality, regardless of the fact that our record is in the dumper from how bad we were to begin this season, the fact that we are just on top of the world in potential right now. Other baseball teams have to be looking at what we did. And like we mentioned basically last week's on putting the American League East on notice episode, Brendan, this is going to be, if we can find even a sprinkling of pitching, this could be the equivalent of what the Yankees are doing this year for the team next season, just outmashing teams. And in many different fashions, Brendan, I know that this team has been very so much um face value anyways they're winning just like every other blue jays team has before them, just crushing the ball out of the rogers center slash skydome this is how we win ball games in a small american league ballpark and the fact in the american league east but there is speed there is good contact there is a lot going on for this offense that is not just the home run ball brendan what is the other big part that you're excited to that we have blue jays baseball that is i think immensely more rounded on the offense side that we have been in years. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it, it's always going to be reliant on the home run ball. Obviously, they've hit a ton of home runs ever since Vlad and Bo have gotten here and Kevin has gotten here, but you see them scoring and putting up big crooked numbers in some games without uh, hitting three or four home runs in a game. You're seeing it double after single, after triple, after double, after double. Like The lineup has already shown and the ability to keep the line moving with hit after hit after hit. And if somebody runs into a home run, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not terrible to be reliant on a home run ball at all, 
because it helps you put up crooked numbers immediately. But those days when you're facing tough pitchers and they don't give up many home runs because there are quite a few pitchers who are damn good and keep the ball in the ballpark, you're going to have to string together singles and doubles and steal a base. And I'll say it, there are certain situations where it's okay to bunt runners over. I know Charlie Montoya loves bunting. Uh, sometimes in the least of ideal situations. Uh, that's another topic of discussion for another day in time, maybe as a, like a season-end episode when we evaluate Montoyo. But regardless, they've shown an ability that they can be an offense that Blue Jays fans can dream on that can score and win games. If they're relying on home runs, if they're not relying on home runs, they'll be able to put up cricket numbers. And I like that you brought up, Craig, that uh, just need a sprinkling of pitching because I saw a tweet, I think it was last week, that their run differential since Bo's gotten up here, I think, I don't remember the exact time frame, was like plus 42. And that's without Marcus Stroman for a lot of that. And that's without Aaron Sanchez for a lot of that. And remember, Ken Giles hasn't been Ken Giles for quite a while now. So you're relying on guys to close, close out games like Derek Law, like Tim Meza, uh, like Justin Schaefer, uh, and other guys in the bullpen like that. So, hey man, I mean, the 2015 Blue Jays, people got to remember that rotation was pretty bad to start the season, and it got better as the year went along. It's not so crazy to think that that could be the case in 2020, is it? I don't think you're too far off, my friend, because I just happen to be looking around the Major League Baseball standings, period. And as you're looking through the run differentials, yes, ours is very, very lopsided. We are negative 53 for the whole season which obviously points out the flaws and you had just alluded to there in our pitching staff, the fact that we just can't guarantee that we're going to have anything good out of the mound that day. It's a complete wild card going on, whether it's starting pitching or bullpen work. And Ken Giles and maybe Justin Schaefer of late and a few other names have been the exceptions to that rule. But in, all, in general, though, it's been very – how many people have we had in our starting rotation this year, Brennan? It's quite ridiculous. <laughs> The number is astronomical, and it was that pretty. That was pretty high in 2015 as well, I believe, especially in the first half of 2015. So, I mean, I guess what the point of bringing up the 2015 rotation is that offense was absolutely ridiculous. It was one of the best in baseball history. Now, I'm not saying that the 2020 Blue Jays offense will be one of the best in, in baseball history, but it could be it could be damn good. And damn good is good enough when you have a decent pitching staff. So. Let's remind people, Greg, the 2015 rotation opened up with three rookies or two rookies in the rotation. It was Aaron Sanchez in his first full season as a starter, even though it didn't end up being a full season as a starter. Daniel Morris, R.A. Dickey, uh, Arco Estrada was inserted in late May, I believe, and then ran off with it. Marcus Stroman was out until September. Drew Hutchison started as your ace on opening day. So, I mean, if you can tread water, man, in 2020, if you're hanging around a few games below, maybe right at 500, you add a pitcher at the deadline. You never know. It's uh, it, it could be fun as soon as 20 uh, as soon as 2020, and I think Blue Jays fans are finally starting to believe that. So let's put a bow on that idea for one second here, and I'm going to wrap it up here, and I'll give you your second to reflect on this too. Right now, the way the American League stacks out, the New York Yankees are running away with it to a point, right? <laughs> Allegedly. They are, you know, nine and a half games ahead of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and 16 games ahead of the Boston Red Sox. As you look at the run differentials on those teams, it's not surprising that obviously the Yankees have the best run differential of plus 149, the Tampa Bay Rays have plus 102, and then the Boston Red Sox have plus 82. So when you look at all those teams, Brennan, you can already just guesstimate that there's a ton of freaking offense in the Red Sox and the Yankees. Um, and it's basically the difference between those two teams is the pitching. The Red Sox haven't quite had it, but look close at the numbers for Tampa Bay. They have 583 runs scored, only 481 runs allowed. Mind you, the Blue Jays, who are currently 31 in the frickin' half games out of first place, have almost the exact same run amount of, runs amount scored. You can find some pitchings, dude. There's not that big of a jump. <laughs> there is literally five runs difference between the Tampa Bay Rays offense and the Blue Jays offense and a much improved Blue Jays offense throughout the second half of this season so far. That pitching, you make it halfway there. We're at least the Red Sox right now. Yeah, 
And I think that's what uh, Blue Jays fans want to see. That's why people are saying, go out and find Garrett Cole or throw a crap ton of money at him. I don't think it's going to happen. It would be incredible if it did. Exhilarating would be the word. (laughs) Right? Yeah, exactly. Excelsior, man. (laughs) So excited. We have our ace. And Nate Pearson will be up here next year. We'll be getting into him later in this discussion. But, like, man, it is... It's crazy to think that. I actually didn't look that deep into the numbers. I'm glad you did, because that just has me even more excited for 2020. I thought you were the numbers guy, guy. I, I know. You looked into it. You stole my job Boom. from me. I, 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 <laughs> so it's, I'm glad we could play off of each other like that. But uh, a little bit more pitching, even if it's a little bit more, this team will have more wins next year. And with how bad the American League is, or sorry, the American League is, not crazy to think that they could accidentally contend a little bit quicker than the front office has hoped. Just run into a few. <laughs> right? And then I think that, honestly, that the non-trade of Ken Giles, assuming he ends up hanging out for a whole other season, I honestly think right now you might as well hold on to him to the trade deadline because I don't see his trade value becoming that much more immensely just in the last little bit here and running into the off season. What do you think about that? Nice yeah, I, I think Ken Giles will be here next year to start the season. If they're hovering around 500, it will be interesting to see what they do. Uh, even if they're like five games below 500, I'd have the suspicion that he could be traded. But I mean, you've scraped it down to pretty much the bare bones as it is right now. I mean, you go and look at the pitchers on this active roster. Ken Giles is by far and away the veteran with the most major league experience. And then you go down and look at the offense, and Justin Smoke is legitimately the only one with the most amount of big league experience. It's stripped down to the bare bones. It's start. It's time to start contending and pushing your chips in. And keeping Ken Giles would be starting to push your chips in. So I think he's kept. I don't think he's traded in the offseason. And you know what, man? If they're in it, he has been on the record saying how much he's loved Toronto, how comfortable he feels here. Why wouldn't you want to keep that guy around for the next few years at least? Yeah, and honestly, Brendan, right now, I just can't picture a bullpen next season and half successful without somebody like him as a veteran in the midst of all that. Yeah, we might have Derek Law and some of these guys coming back is because they're arbitration eligible, but it is so nice to have somebody like him with Justin Schaefer, the Kirby Sneeds, the Taylor Sacitos that might be coming up in the near future to possibly take over bullpen roles. And that, that whole pipeline, even in the bullpen, is starting to look pretty good to me on the Buffalo level. And why don't we talk about boys, the bolstering of that um, <laughs> pitching staff, man? Nate Pearson. <laughs> Holy shnikes. Could he get any better? And we're finally going to get a chance to see him against some solid pitch, solid hitting in AAA. I'm hoping tomorrow night that I can get back from Syracuse quick enough here to Rochester where he's going to be making his AAA debut. And Brendan, this kid has been nothing but lights out all season and exactly as advertised. Yeah, he, uh, he was making AA look silly uh, the last few weeks. Uh, it t- I'm glad that they didn't keep him down there any longer because he clearly wasn't being challenged. It's time for him to have a challenge, and AAA will be more of a challenge. But honestly, I think he's, if he did not break his arm last year, he'd be in the big leagues right now. His stuff can play at this level. If you can throw 104 miles per hour, I know that was only one pitch, but he's gotten it up there at 102 and 103 pretty consistently. He averages around 101 on his fastball. It's, it's <laughs> Slightly if you If you have that kind of velocity, even if you have one other pitch, that's really good. Luckily, Nate Pearson has two other pitchers that are really good. He can play in the big league level right now. Uh, I'm stoked to hear how he does tomorrow night. I will be stoked for you. If you can get yourself to back to Rochester, in I'm time gonna be for taking video if I make it. Yeah, everybody's gonna know, and I'm gonna try just camping out behind home plate wherever I can. <laughs> Craig, you, you, I think you know you have to do this now because if you get video of him, get some pictures of him, nice and up close, you, you're gonna blow up our Twitter account tomorrow. So, I already told no Ryan D. Francesco that I'm gonna hope to send him as much actual footage for an article tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll as far as all the good stuff there. goes, Brendan, this is a kid that literally had some ups and downs as they had him on a very kind of weird regimented uh, innings limit to start the season. He was, you know, he'd be an opener, then he'd pitch three innings, then he'd be an opener, then he'd pitch four innings, so on and so forth. He has had five 
solid and incredibly good starts in a row since uh, basically mid-July. All above five and two-thirds innings and only allowed five runs in all those innings. Yeah, it's insane. He, uh, he's been uh, absolutely lights out. And I'm gl- I, again, I'm glad that they called him up. There wasn't anything else for him to learn down in double-A. He was overpowering hitters. And you know what? I honestly fully expect him to start dominating AAA hitters as well. I don't think there's going to be much of an adjustment period for him. I think he'll hit the ground running, and I think it starts tomorrow night. But it does bring up an interesting conversation that you bring up, especially in regards to the innings, because I'm not sure how they're going to manage that going forward because it's been a hot topic of discussion in the past, especially with this front office. I don't think Nate Pearson will go much more than five innings per start. Maybe they'll even they'll cap it at three or four, especially as the season winds down. So, I don't know. It, it brings up an interesting conversation looking to 2020 as well because, yeah, he could get here and he could be really damn good, but he still needs to build up his innings. He hasn't thrown very many innings at all through his minor league career since he's been drafted. So they're going to have to be careful with him next year too. Even if they cap him, no matter how good he's been at five inning starts for his first full season in the big leagues, I mean, that's better than nothing. I haven't heard too much about his innings restrictions lately. Uh, I think the idea of starting him off slow this season was that they'd keep him around 140 innings or so for the whole season, which is basically where he's projecting. If you're looking at his stuff right now, he's got 105, and that 140 would be more or less if the Buffalo Bisons make true on the near the really big late season push they've been making here to getting into the playoffs. And he could be a very big part of this since he's going to make two or three starts down here in the last you know 14 or so home game or 14 or so games for the Buffalo Bisons. They're currently one game in first place, Brendan. Oh, I want so badly for them to make the playoffs, Craig, because that would just simply be incredible. I can, I think I said this last week. I can just picture how electric a uh, close-to-sold-out Buffalo Bison Stadium would be at Salem Field, and it gets me excited. And the fact that we're not going to have any playoffs here in Toronto, if you want to experience the thrill of playoff baseball, there will be a lot of people who will be making that drive down to Buffalo or the bus down to Buffalo to be able to go see a playoff game. I know I'll be there. I'm not going to miss one of those. Oh, I'm not so, missing it either. I'm going to have to figure out how we can do that hotel room gig again. <laughs> right? As long as we just don't get as drunk as we did when we were there before because that was a little left <laughs> the next morning. Well, uh, come on, a little we'll, epic. We'll there wasn't easy. enough hydration in the world. <laughs> no, definitely not. We'll take it a step back and uh, back then. I think we were both just very excited <laughs> when we got there and we're ready to fire it up. Well, but, that and uh, the fact that no. we hadn't hung out in like a good month. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. Right. So we had to make... Had to make up for lost time, Craig. Game but, uh, on. <laughs> game on, absolutely. And it'll be uh, game on again if uh, if the Buffaloes just do qualify for the playoffs. and It'll be fun. I definitely am going to make that work somehow. Even if I have to go start work at 6 a.m., I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> game on. So as far as all the things go, there is plenty of good things going on for the Buffalo Bisons other than this little late um burst that they have going on here. Because when we went some, Brendan, weren't they like six games out of first place in early July? Something like it was that. Something like that. I can't remember exactly how many games out they were, but uh, I think the charge to the playoffs started right around when we went, and shortly after that. Yeah. So this is a team that's currently boasting a few guys that have had an audition time with the Toronto Blue Jays and Jonathan Davis, and more or less Sakari's Brito to a lesser extent. But he's been a big igniter in this lineup, and Jonathan Davis at the top is a heck of a spark plug. He might be only batting two fifty one. But I just thought it was a great thing that the organization did. To, now that Reese McGuire is basically solidifying his role in the Toronto Blue Jays for the rest of the season in split duty with uh, Danny Jansen, which obviously I think is more just experience. Let's get everybody in there, and it's going to bring a heck of a battle into spring training next year. But going out and getting Bo Taylor to just be a good, solid catcher at the AAA level shows that the Blue Jays are actually full-on interested in getting a championship to the Buffalo Bisons. That'd be awesome. And you know what? That will only strengthen the relationship between the Buffalo Bisons and the Toronto Blue Jays going forward. I think one thing that uh, is very underrated with the way that this front office approaches AAA, which is completely different to how Alex Anthopoulos and that regime treated AAA, is that it, AAA has become a very important step uh, for big leaguers or potential big leaguers to, uh, to get to the big leagues and, and develop and be an all-around good baseball player. They did not mess around. There's no more promoting guys for the most part, other than that one Yenzi Diaz promotion for one day, uh, they don't skip AAA anymore. Uh, and that's important because the Blue Jays lost 
Syracuse, who was close by for a while, and we're stuck with Vegas. Uh, now that you have Buffalo, you can't lose them because there's been such a good relationship. It's so close. It's so easy to help both your big league team and your AAA team do well. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I would be so thrilled for the city of Buffalo to have a playoff baseball team there. And just for Blue Jays fans in general to be able to go down there and watch some playoff baseball, I think it'd be fantastic. I'm just going to point out our irony here that Bo Taylor was actually traded or picked up off the waivers, who and he was with the Las Vegas 51s before oh, this whole thing. <laughs> so he went from <laughs> he went from our old, you know, AAA team to our new AAA team in the course of a season. And like I said, just to have a solid catcher, yeah, he hasn't caught any of these guys like Nate Pearson or anything, but. The fact that they were interested enough to bring somebody that actually could carry his weight <laughs> into this lineup after taking Reese McGuire from him. Yeah, he's not going to be a standout. He's almost 30. But the guy has 32 RBIs and takes his walks. It's going to be somebody that gets on base for this team at the bottom of the lineup, Brendan. And it's a heck of a thing when you got you know a pretty decent offense going on in this uh, lineup right now. And Santiago Espinal has been one of those guys. Patterson. And then we also have Forrest Wall making his debut tonight. That's, that's right. That's right. Fourth Wall has had a hell of a season down in Double A. I'm pretty sure when we had the episode when the All Stars were announced that Fourth Wall was an All Star for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. So that is another good sign of progression for a Blue Jays team that is looking for outfielders to step up and claim a job. If Forrest Wall can go up to to Double or so Triple A Buffalo, be a solid contributor, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe next year and rosters expand, we see Fourth Wall in the big league level. And remember, they got him for Sangwano, another good trade that this front office has made by picking up a reliever late in spring training, or sorry, early uh, early in spring training, late in the off season, and being able to flip them for a useful piece. So it's exciting in Espinal too. Like, there's a lot of good guys that are worth watching down in Double A, even though, or sorry, in Triple A. Now that Bo Bichette is gone, still worth going down there to watch Espinal and watch for us while. And you know what? Still worth watching Anthony Alford do whenever he's actually healthy. Yeah, when he's in the lineup, he's electric. And it's been proven this season over time and time again. The fact that he has just been suffering so mightily with injuries. And not, let's not sleep on the fact that TJ Zoik is still in this uh, rotation. Obviously, you're adding Nate Pearson and company to this. This is a heck of a lineup that could be run, making a pretty good late season run here. And uh, very intriguing. And don't forget, we got Anthony Kay and whatnot also. That is part of the recent Michael or uh, Marcus Stroman trade that has been <laughs> pretty much electric since he's joining in. And apparently, I saw on his Twitter account yesterday, and apparently, a few Canadian friends gave him some ketchup Doritos and ketchup Blaze chips. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they brought down the Canadian staple to Anthony K. It's exciting seeing him too, especially after that brutal first start in the organization. To put it frankly, the fact how much he's turned it around lately. I, you know what, I I would say that it was going to be pretty much a guarantee that he'd be up here in September. It's going to be fascinating to see who gets called up to the big league level from the 40-man roster. If the Bisons make the playoffs, nobody's going to get a call up, man. It's not going to be Anthony K. It's not going to be Jackson McCollin. It's not going to be Kirby Snead. They'll all be down there and try to win the championship. As they should be. That experience of playing in playoff baseball, I understand all these guys, their main goal is to get to the major leagues, but the fact that you... the just joining in the immense like you know tradition that has all of a sudden been the Blue Jays' dominance of the minor league system the last few years. Everybody's won at some level at this point, and throwing these guys into the fire here, there's got to be a lot of young, hungry guys on that. And I don't know how much Anthony Kay got a chance to experience that in the Mets organization. The fact that he can do that possibly this year with this group of players that are going to be his co coworkers basically the next <laughs> you know however many years, very exciting stuff and worth its weight in gold. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen the last few years that uh, a single-A team has won. Now the double-A team has won last year. And if the triple-A team can win it all this year, I mean, man, I think that just shows you that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have pretty much achieved their goal of making sustainable waves of talent through the minor league organization continue to flow up to the big league level. It's uh, That would be pretty remarkable if all three levels of your minor league system have won a championship within the last three years with a lot of those guys being key contributors to each of those championship teams. It's, it's, it's crazy how much this front office, sorry, how much this front office has built the minor league system up to be one of the best in the game. And it's showing you with all these championships. So it's, uh, it's fantastic. 
Let's use that as a fun segue, my friend, and let's go around the bases here with the minor league teams. So, unfortunately, next the um, New Hampshire Fisher Cats at the AA level, unfortunately not quite having a resurgent championship season after dominating the 2018 Eastern League. Um, not quite going to make it to the playoffs this year, but plenty of things to look forward to. And you, we hit one already with Forrest Wall being a heck of a bright spot on this team, but there is some solid pitching in this group that is probably going to be easily the rotation in Buffalo next year. For sure. I think that's been the big thing down in double A. I mean, until Nate Pearson got called up, he had guys down there like a Zach Logue, who's now up in Buffalo. Uh, I believe, uh, you, you have guys like, uh, uh, Patrick Murphy and Yancy Diaz, who are down there right now. So, Double A right now is all about the pitchers who are coming up to the uh, uh, making their way up the organization and probably to Buffalo as soon as next year. So, that's uh, unfortunately the offense hasn't been the same, and it's pretty hard to be the same offense as last year when you don't have Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr. for a majority of the year. But uh, hey, it's always great to see that the pitching has come around. Uh, at the double-A level, because that means it's uh, it, it's getting closer to uh, having an impact at the big league level. Yeah, the biggest parts of this lineup were Santiago Espinal and Forrest Wall. Um, to a pretty good extent, to uh, Joshua Placios and uh, Nash Knight have been very solid. Riley Adams has finally found some good lumber, it seems like. He's got all three of those guys, 30 RBIs. But the fact that Santiago Espinal was leading this team with a 278 batting average and 57 RBIs, Brendan. I can see why that's all of a sudden a little bit of a hole. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're hoping that Logan Warmoth and Kevin Smith pick up, and they did to a certain extent. There is plenty to be excited on this level, which is also going to go for a very good Buffalo Bisons team, I think, next season offensively and on the mound. It's going to be a fun time. Absolutely. And it's great to see that Kevin Smith has really turned his season around offensively because he was the guy that this front office was raving about last season and last offseason. So the fact that he's turned it around, there's, again, another guy you could add to the middle infield mix to have a big league job within the next two years or so. Yeah, and um, I, if I recall, he was batting about 200 first half of the season, something like that. I'm trying to find it. 175. I knew it was rough uh, running. Holy shikes, I didn't think it was that bad. So turned it around <laughs> completely. At about as many games, he's got 45 to 59 for second half to first half. But 175 batting average jumping to 261. That's not just a minor adjustment, Brendan. That's a freaking U-turn. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's a, that's a U-turn for sure. And it also just shows that, man, this guy can be a legitimate player in the, in the minor league system, but also likely at the major league system. You don't fluke your way into turning your season around like that like crazy, especially with that dramatic of a batting average turnaround. No, I, and honestly, I think the biggest thing from him is he found the middle of the diamond with his swing. He was actually hitting the ball up the middle, and it just looked like he was pull-happy pull in the first half of the season, which you can kind of guess to a 175 batting average with seven home runs and still manages 25 RBIs. So when he needed to hit Brennan, he was finding a way to help his team. But that is kind of pretty rough, and I can see why he thought he was in a funk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got it. Whenever you're in a funk as a hitter, I think we've seen it at the big league level this year with uh, with guys who got off to terrible starts like Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Randall Grichik. They started using the middle of the field to get right again. So always try to stick to the middle of the field and the rest will come. And when you start pulling the balls, they'll start leaving the ballpark. Exactly. So let's keep going around, man. The Dedean Blue Jays are the first half winners of the Florida State League. And they're just putting the freaking cherry on top of it right now as they continue to dominate the Florida State League, thirty-two and twenty-seven so far, and oh, geez, is this team loaded, Brendan? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of talent down in Single A, and you know what? That's where a lot of guys they added in some of these trades the last few years have gone down to. I mean, Juan DePaula, I believe, is on the Dunedin Blue Jays, and they got him in the Kevin Pilar trade. So there's some guy who's being a key contributor for the Dunedin Blue Jays. I mean, there's just so much talent loaded throughout this entire system. It's not a surprise that another team in the minor league system is uh, making headwaves throughout it. And uh, it, it has me excited because the long-term future, a prospect who are three to four or five years down the road or already making names for themselves in the organization, that means the window of success 
and opportunity for this Blue Jays team to win World Series down the road could be extended for much longer than just those two seasons in 2015 and 2016. So just to put everything in perspective, the first half winners, the Dean Blue Jays, were 41-24 and 24 listeners. It's, that's insane. And then in a league where teams very quickly fall off in the second half, their current record is 32-27. and 27. The foot has been buried to the metal on the gas pedal, man, and they have not let off throughout this whole season with all those interchanging parts. Losing key players at the time, like Cal Stevenson, who was really the igniter for this lineup, and still finding a way to keep their foot down on the you know gas, immensely impressive, and very cool. The fact that, like you said, that we are just decimating people at this low level, <laughs> and uh, this is with the addition of Simeon Woods Richardson, who's been doing very good in his two starts. Got both of them were wins. Oh, no, sorry, I take that back. Half of his starts have been wins, Brendan. And could we be any more impressed with this kid through 18 innings? No, not at all. I mean, he's been uh, absolutely fantastic, and he's dominating single A as an 18-year-old. And that's not that's not very common for single A. But, I mean, there's other names down there, too, Craig. Simeon Woods-Richardson is obviously the big one because he was the key piece in the Marcus Stroman trade. But Kyle Johnson was put down in single A, and they got him uh, in the trade for Daniel Hudson. Yep. From, from the Washington Nationals. Julian Merriweather, who's been uh, on the injured list again, uh, and there hasn't been much news about him, is down in single A right now. Uh, and then other guys, Josh Winkowski, who they drafted a few years ago, has had himself a good season and is putting himself on the map. And Justin Maese is down there. I know he's on the seven-day injured list, but he's still a name that you hear from time to time. He's one of those There's, guys uh, that I can't wait to see finally healthy throwing the ball the way I saw him throw in Lansing a few years ago. But Exactly. Could anybody really surprise us any more than Joey Murray or Josh Winkowski? And they're both yeah, in the same jo- pitching rotation. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Joey Murray has definitely been a guy who I honestly, I'll be completely honest, had never heard of him until a few weeks ago. When I made that tweet about the waves of pitching, Mike Wilner replied to it saying, what about Joey, Joey Murray? Murray. <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling about this kid. I'm like, what? Whisper. Who the hell is Joey Murray? I'll be completely honest. I didn't know who Joey Murray was, but he's put himself on the map now, and he's being talked about quite often through Blue Jays Twitter. So there's a lot of very intriguing pitching names down in single A as well, but there's also some very intriguing offensive players too, Craig. I'll even admit that Joey Murray was on my sleeper list going into this season. (laughs) (laughs) So don't feel too bad about that one. The fact that he has found out how to really torque the living daylights out of a baseball. That spin rate is what's key to his pitching, and if you haven't seen it yet, Blue Jays fans, you need to find Ryan DeFrancesco's page. The few starts he's had that have been on minor league baseball TV, he does have video on his Twitter account of Joey Murray <laughs> just ripping the ball. Matter. I I have a strange feeling that he's just moved on from the Blue Jays this season. He's just infatuated for the Meyer League system to the point I was a few years ago. And Brendan, in all reality, I love the Blue Jays Meyer League system and I can't get enough of it. And the fact that it's finally starting to bear some of the fruits in the Major League system is perfect. But as you mentioned, the fact that the offense for the Dean Blue Jays is just as big of a catalyst to this team. Kevin Vucunia hitting her very well. Alejandro Kirk, Cullen Large before he got his call up recently. Chavez Young, man. I he was one of my guys I was looking forward to watching more this season. The batting average does not appropriately show how well this kid, I think, has been playing this year. The fact that he has 100, or, uh, 49, 93 hits, 49 runs, 15 doubles. <laughs> very, very, very good. So it's very and impressive. There's, there's other, and there's other names, too, down there that uh, Blue Jays fans will recognize. I mean, Casey Clemens is their primary first baseman. Samad Taylor at second base is the guy they got in the Joe Smith trade, which brought Thomas Bonone to the Blue Jays. Ryan Noda has been in the system for a few years now. And Reggie Pruitt as well, a guy who could really, really run. Just uh, finally got called up a few weeks ago. That's right, from uh, from Lansing, the Lansing Lugnuts. So there's uh, there's other guys beyond the big ones that uh, people are always hearing about, like an Alejandro Kirk. Uh, or a Kevin Bacuna that are making names for themselves down in Dunedin. And honestly, when you look at the roster, it's no surprise that this team is just running away with it in the single A right now. 
It really is having, you know, as much as I'm loving everything, this is making me dread when we have to get to our top 30 prospects come January. <laughs> I know. There's going to be so many notable omissions, man, but that's a good thing. I mean, I'm kind of happy that there's no longer going to be Bo and Cabin and Vlad on that list, and Danny Jansen was still qualified for that list going into this season. So adding all these new names and new talents onto that list is going to be very interesting. I think it'll, it'll cause for some serious debate between Blue Jays fans as to who should be on your top 30 prospect list. Yeah, and it's going to make our fun chat of the just-missed category with our friends at Prospects Live even more infatuating. <laughs> it's I'm just going to be sure. epically bad and... <laughs> <laughs> torturous. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the Radio Scouts guys that were saying when they were on with us that uh, they could name 50 guys who could have a case to, you should keep your eye out for these guys. So, I mean, I think that's becoming more and more common. I would not have a problem filling my list of 50 people out right now. I, I, th- I think I'm in the same boat as you there. And, and basically <laughs> 21 through 50 is the Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It 100% is. So let's uh, put a last little bow on it as we did touch on the fact that the Lansing Lugnuts have had some recent call-ups. They have not had the best of seasons, but they're dancing in that line of 500, and they've been there all season, super consistent around that. 29-26 and right now for the second half of the season. Currently three games out, probably on that looking outside-looking-in kind of thing. But... It's been an exciting year for Lansing Lugnuts baseball, and they have a few key contributors that are going to be future Major League Baseball players, Brendan. For sure. I mean, Jordan Groshans is at the top of that list. And then there's also Griffin Conine, who, again, son of a former Major League Baseball player in Jeff Conine uh, down in uh, down there right now. But there are other names that Blue Jays fans would probably recognize. I mean, Gabriel Moreno has really put himself on the map as a catcher. Down there, Another Lopez. fine catcher in the Blue Jays system, exactly. people. And that's it's not to mention that Ryan Gold Gold has been actually doing really good, too, for the Lansing Lugnuts. There's going to be catchers on catchers on catchers in the next few years. It's awesome. Speaking of like, waves. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, you could make the waves for catchers as well. And there's some interesting pitching names down there, too. I mean, Juan DePaula is down there, so I was incorrect. He's in Lansing. He is not in Dunedin. So Juan DePaula, the guy they got for Kevin Pillar is down there right now. Sean Weimer has put himself on people's maps a little bit. And, of course, Eric Pardino is down there, too. And Pardino has been pretty much lights out through his seven starts for the Lansing Lugnuts so far. A mere 2.41 ERA through 33 innings, Brendan. Obviously, he's the, you know, the, the perfect prospect that's sitting on the Lansing Lugnuts right now. I got one that's a little weird one here that, honestly, I'm intrigued to see where his tools take him next year and if he can turn some of these caught steals into real steals. Otto Lopez shown some very yeah. good tools with the bat and has been very interesting as he just slaps the ball over and uses his legs, kind of in the Ricky Henderson mold, but not quite there on the speed. But I think if he learns those key little nuances to learning what to look for in pitchers to be able to swipe those extra bags, the biggest problem right now is that he's got 50-50 almost with his caught steals for steals. I think he gives that yeah, number I, where it leans definitely more in the other direction as he as he matures. Base running is one of the last things that comes when you get to the major league level. That's been one thing, power and base running and being a smart base runner. I mean, you can learn yourself into being a good base runner and base stealer. So I think that will definitely come as he continues to progress through the major league system. It's great that he's already stealing bases, too, because it's an art. It really is an art being able to steal a base and steal it effectively. Yeah, and Juan DePaul is going to come into his own eventually here. I am very shocked the fact that I, I from the starts I have seen, I don't, I'm surprised he's got a nine-something ERA right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's inflated by a three starts ago where he allowed 11 earned runs, and then two starts before that he had seven. But around those starts, Brendan, barely giving up onesies, twosies. So this is obviously the young inconsistencies of a developing pitcher in the minor league system. Yeah, I think we're all hoping that uh, Wanda Paula can amount to something uh, in the future because – I mean, at least Derek Law has looked a lot better lately because uh, there was not a whole lot of anything in that Kevin Pollard trade if Juan DePaula doesn't uh, progress. But 
yeah, I think he'll be fine. He'll uh, he'll figure it out. He'll write the ship. And uh, there's a reason why he was sent in two pretty big trades uh, and sought after by two or three different organizations. So it's not uh, not crazy to think that he could write himself and be good as soon as next season. Yeah, negating those few starts, Brendan drops his ERA down to barely two something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> He's currently on the seven-day injured list, but the fact that there's just those two obscene issues where he had control problems and they were just lighting him up like a damn Christmas tree. <laughs> it's just, like I said, it's amazing, and that's how what that's what baseball is, but this is the kind of things you want these kids learning in the minor league system, and Juan DePaula is an example of all the good talent that you hope that you're going to get around those few starts. Well, you know... You're always going to miss on some prospects that you trade for or draft. As long as you get, hey, man, at each level, if you can have two or three or four or five right around there that hit on that entire roster of 25 men, then you're doing something right as a talent evaluator. So it won't always work out, but I hope it does because that would be nice to say that uh, Juan Paula was the piece they got for Kevin Pillar. Well, the fact that we are just talking about on this show more or less what's been going on in the minor leagues because we're getting close to the end of the minor league seasons for the main teams. Obviously, the Vancouver Canadians and the Bluefield Blue Jays will be playing a little bit longer into September. But the fact that, Brendan, we were just talking about how there's probably 50 good, talented prospects in this seat, in this system that are in the ballpark of, yes, they're going to probably make it to the major leagues. Even if half to a quarter of those guys hit. You have a starting nine on a team, and we already have a heck of a starting nine. And, I mean, you already have six at the major league level already that you can count on to be long-term pieces for the next few years. So, again, I think that goes back to a comment we both made in previous episodes, but also earlier tonight. The front office has done their job and seems to be well on their way to doing their job of creating waves upon waves of sustainable talent to consistently flow up to the big league level. And if that comes true, then I think people's perceptions of Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro will quickly quickly change when this team is consistently making the playoffs and making pushes to hopefully win a World Series. At a minimum, the, the current Blue Jays brass is going to be known for giving us every son of every talented Major League Baseball player on the face of the planet. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't gone wrong so far, so you might as well keep doing it if it's not broken, right? It ain't going to be broken either because we're all projecting Griffin Conine's power to play with no problem at the Major League level. And it's more or less at this point just getting them up here and getting them enough experience. So, But this is another bat that is ridiculously solid that could hit the ground running and in the next couple of years skyrocket through the Blue Jays system. It, uh, it's amazing how much that that little tint of the uh, performance-enhancing whatevers <laughs> could really derail the season. He, could, he would be easily in the Dunedin playoffs right now if he didn't have to deal with that 50-game suspension. Yeah, I wish uh, I wish that wasn't a thing, but hopefully it never becomes uh, an issue for Griffin Conan again because uh, he definitely missed some pretty valuable development time uh, in this modern league system. But you know what? He's putting himself right back on the map, and in two years or so, maybe, we'll uh, be seeing him hopefully at the big league level. He might not have just put himself back on the map, but I think he lit it on fire and mailed it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Brendan, topics you would like to discuss before we wrap things up? You know what? There was one that kind of came to mind earlier, but I think we can save it for next week, Is especially with another week of, uh, of uh, games to, uh, ahead for the Blue Jays. Do you want but to tease? I do. I'll, give it, I'll give it a tease. I'll give it a little bit of a tease. I uh, have been really impressed, especially this week, since Reese McGuire has been up here, and I find it interesting that they are going to be splitting time down the rails. I, what I want to discuss next week is, uh, I mean, even if they, if Reese McGuire can, can keep this up and Danny Jansen continues to improve and you have two legitimate catchers uh, at the big league level pretty much splitting time, I wouldn't maybe say 50-50, but maybe even 60-40. I mean, it's uh, has potential to be really damn good. And teams looking for a catcher could come knocking on the Blue Jays' door. There's a whole bunch of good things that can come from uh, this catching situation. And uh, I am glad that Reese McGuire is up here because – he showed something last year, and he's showing it again. Honestly, I would be, sh with how talented the two of them are, I selfishly want to keep both of them, but it would not shock me if 
Reese McGuire is somehow a trade chip in the offseason, but we'll see what happens. And honestly, Brendan, I love the tease for next week. I think that's going to go very good because I think we need to start talking September call-ups next week. I agree, and there's going to have to be some room for guys on September call-ups. But, yeah, I think it lines up uh, perfectly for next week's episode uh, because Reese McGuire was called up just, what, two weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago? Small sample size Uh, at this point. One more week, I'll be confident. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So we'll be able to uh, start projecting some September call-ups as soon as next week. And, uh, hey, that's fun in itself. It's fun seeing some of these kids once rosters expand. I think we're going to have to see who we can throw into the fire on that conversation because that could be get, that could get messy and it could be fun. <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for it on uh, Jaybird watching. Game on. So to wrap it up, Brendan, we have to talk about the wonderful picks to click. And we have a fun little uh, deal to it this whole week that we'll get to here in a minute. But, Brendan, you want to tell me about your pick of Mr. Derek Law and plead your case, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he had himself a few pretty good appearances this past week, and I've been really impressed with how he's turned the season around and his reputation a little bit. So he's uh, he's playing his way into being a, a key contributor to the 2020 bullpen. I think, for the most part, he's pretty much locked up that job from the beginning of the season in 2020. I mean, there are obviously going to be others, as we mentioned earlier, guys like Tyler Sosquito and Kirby Snead are really putting themselves on the map in the Buffalo Bison's bullpen down there. But, uh, yeah. I, uh, Derek Law has been uh, really good uh, this past little while, so I do think, though, it must go to our guest spot, Craig. All right, well, first I got to mention my huge embarrassing failure, which was Derek Fisher. <laughs> <Bad at bucks. laughs> he had one home run. He had one he had home run, run, but batted a buck 70 while doing it. <laughs> so I think that means that was his, actually his only hit. <laughs> so in the midst of that, um, the guest spot, we had a few people follow in on our Twitter account and give us some insight. We had, you know, some Teoscars and whatnot going on, but we had one come in with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, <laughs> and I got to find who it was because I unfortunately closed that window for a second. <laughs> I thought you said it was a sister with a bolter or whatever. I think the it might have been her with a. Uh, it might have been them again. I'm not finding it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, give, we'll give it to him though it's a classy establishment we have here i promise folks <laughs> that's right that's right i think we got to chop it up to the or chalk it up to the guest spot though but yes that would put the guest spot with i'm gonna go for a tie goes to the guest spot similar to the fun at first base and we're gonna give it to vladimir guerrero jr who and yes once again it was sister with a bolter and so sister with a bolter congratulations you are now a two-time winner of the blue jays pick to click i'm sorry i have nothing for you (laughs) (laughs) other than bragging rights and the fact that i guess we're going to have to eventually get you on the show for you to just spike the football and do a victory dance and that now puts the full score here brennan as two for me one for you three for our guests, so the congregation is unfortunately whopping us at this point. <laughs> the uh, the tides have turned for the longest time. I was the only one with something on the board uh, at the beginning of the year, but uh, I got to make sure I get this one right this week. I got to get back on the board. <laughs> okay, so on that, who are you hoping to pop one out of the park here with? Well, I want to preface this by saying the Blue Jays are going to be facing Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, and Kento Maeda this week at Dodger Stadium. So I want to believe it'd be nice to see this offense hit those pitchers a little bit because that would be super exciting. Uh, but, but I see where this is going. Say, yeah, I think you know exactly where I'm going. I'm staying on the uh, the pitcher side of things because, it's, you know what, it's worked out pretty well for me uh, the last little while. So I have I to don't... ask this question, seeing there's really only one starter announced for it. Is it Sean Reed Foley? It's probably probably tomorrow, but he's not my pick to click. <laughs> okay, I was, I was going to say, as your one of your best friends in your consigliere, I would advise against that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm going to stay against that. His last start wasn't overly encouraging. Um, you know what? I again, and I have to read this piece because it came out this or uh, earlier today about uh, Jacob Wegus pack and how he just continues to impress. I think I'm going to double down and take him for the second time in the last four weeks, the second time in the last three weeks. Uh, I'm going to go Wake Pack. You should have picked him last week. You might have won. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I think that would have been the win. 
Oh, now, see, I'm completely perplexed because I was ready to pick an offensive player, and then you had to lay all that, you know, terribleness on me. There <laughs> so, you go, Dan. I'm trying to help you out, too. <laughs> uh, so, am I correct in stating the fact that Loris Gurriel Jr. was supposed to come off the DL for this whole series? I haven't seen any rumors on that lately. So I, I remember would... hearing that that might have been the original idea because after the extra yeah. off day here. I really don't want to risk losing that idea, but I do have a strange feeling that he's just been sitting on the bench the last few home games, and he's just foaming at the damn mouth to crush baseballs. So I feel like he's going to just go out there and just crush it like he did, you know, like he's going to go on some ridiculous hit streak again. But I think I'm going to go with the fact that Justin Schaefer has been pitching really, really well and earned some extra bullpen time and some high leverage situations, which I think could come up in this series, and I'm going to go with Justin Schaefer out of the bullpen for the Toronto Blue Jays. You know what? I like that pick because I almost went with Justin Schaefer as another bullpen arm, so uh, I uh, I fully back you on that. <laughs> so the fact is uh, we're just going to keep continuing on this whole fun thing here with the fact that we're going to keep hoping and praying for pitchers. The other thing, I almost went Brandon or, or yeah, Brandon Drury. <laughs> so I was thinking just the fact that he's been able to do really well over the last few weeks, and even in a limited role, I think he's really stepped into that role for the uh, Freddie Galvis spot pretty well. Yes, he certainly has. That uh, that's been a welcome addition to the roster. So, anyway, Brendan, final thoughts. Want to call bullshit final on my Schaefer pick? <laughs> are that if there is ever a week to, you know what, pass on the sleep a little bit. If this one, Blue Jays trips to Dodger Stadium are few and far between, and if you're going to be able to watch Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller. These next two nights, I think it's worth staying up until at least 11.30 midnight if you can. So uh, make sure you watch it because if this Blue Jays offense looks good against guys like Kershaw and Bueller and they hit and maybe win one of those two games, then it's uh, just going to continue to add fuel to the fire that this team could be really good with some pitching as soon as 2020. And just the fact that we get to see a ridiculous challenge for Bubba Shatt and how he yes. might handle it. That is, yes. I think that that matchup right there is, is as advertised. I think that's enough to make you want to stay up and uh, lose some sleep over that, don't you? I'm pretty much I don't sleep anyways at this point. There's children, there's baseball, <laughs> there's all sorts of shenanigans going on. I just am going to probably stay up and have a few extra beers, and if I fall asleep during the game, I fall asleep. It's that simple. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a good plan of attack, my friend. There's only so much MLB The Show I can play in my spare time. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get the game next year. I finally got a PS4, but... Uh, yeah, MLB The Show will be back next year on my TV. Show. Yeah, unless you can find it for a 20 spot right now, I wouldn't worry about it because <laughs> you're missing nah, all, hold the, fun on. With, I just all got the fun. Madden 20. Oh, okay, so there it is. Back it's back football there, so. season. My fantasy hey, drafts hey. are this weekend too, so there you <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. I mean, while we've done this, I have the uh, 49ers are playing the Broncos on uh, on ESPN, so I've had that on uh, on the TV while we've recorded this. It's been looking. And, man, Jimmy Garoppolo threw a pick and almost threw a pick six on the second oh, drive. Geez. So, uh, we'll see how goes. <laughs> so, I'm just hoping that my team, my Ditka is bigger than your Ditka, can can win its third championship in a row. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, uh, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to say my team has been living up to the name. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Brendan, once again, it's been perfect. It's a great time, as always. Blue Jays fans, do not forget to follow us up on iTunes, Twitter, everywhere. All the places you can get us, we're anywhere on social media and all your podcasting pleasure spots. Make sure you get those subscriptions. Talk to us. Do whatever. Brendan and I are here for you. It's not a big deal. We're ready to chat. Brendan? We are always ready to chat, Greg. Always. So yeah. join us. Join us in another conversation. And so to make sure you also do that, this is also another week where we did not have a guest, Brendan. So that means we got to do what with the picks to click again? <laughs> uh, we're going to be putting it on Twitter. So please reply with your pick to click this week and go bold and go offensively if you think that uh, this team will be able to hit guys like, uh, like Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller. Yeah, you know, you might be right, and we just might be incredibly wrong. You saw our records. We've been doing this since the All-Star break. <laughs> <laughs> I like that this has become a picture. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good time. It's like having the world's weirdest fantasy player, like, bracket. <laughs> so, anyways, once again, let's go Blue Jays, Brendan. That's right, sir. Let's go Blue Jays. Until next week, everybody. See you later on Jaybird Watching.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big- 